Thanks, John. I'm not sure that uh, you're aware of this or not, but apparently Australia ranks in the top 10 safest countries in the world. Uh, whatever I was reading this year, we're number six, uh, even though there was a brown snake at Nippers this morning. Uh, even though there's, you know, we're prone to some pretty serious bushfires. Even though domestic violence is on the up and mental health is, is on the down. Even though we've got an increasing housing and homelessness uh, problem. In Australia, we do have a pretty stable political system, don't we? Uh, and a relatively low uh, crime rate. And you and I, at least most of us who are here this afternoon, we happen to live in the beautiful Bundaberg, Bagara. Uh, uh, some of you who have moved here from another region will know about the safety uh, of this place on, on another level, especially if you've moved here uh, from another country, uh, as we forget to lock our cars uh, and our houses. I don't know if any of you remember this, but during COVID, uh, it became reasonably common for people to say goodbye, not, not to say, see you later, but to say something like, uh, stay safe, or be safe. Well, one of our kids actually brought home a lead pencil, you know, the marketing kind of a pencil with something printed on it, and it said, be safe, be safe. Well, what does that look like? Safety. Uh, as we observe the mess of our world at the moment, largely from a distance, the, the war in, in the Middle East, uh, as some worry uh, about uh, their loved ones, we might think it's good to live here. It's good to live in such a safe place. But I wonder if we can be a little bit like my brother and uh, my cousin who are enjoying the safety of Tafra Beach as teenagers. If you don't know, Tartra is this beautiful town on the south coast of New South Wales. It's worth a visit. Uh, and my brother and cousin, they were just hanging out in the surf, not really paying any attention. Uh, at least not until my uncle got to them and tapped them on the shoulder, so to speak, and showed them how far they'd already been swept out of the sea by a massive rip. They were in danger. They couldn't get back in on their home and they would not have had a clue about the danger that they were in if it wasn't for that loving tap on the shoulder from my uncle. Uh, as safe as we may feel here in beautiful Megara, the story of the Bible and more specifically the story of Jesus is like a loving tap on the shoulder from a friend saying, you are not safe even here. We're thinking about that little part of the Bible that John just read for us, uh, chapter 10, verse 11 to 21. And in the context here, Jesus has already been using this sheep-shepherd uh, kind of metaphor. He told the story at the start of chapter 10 about Middle Eastern sheep farming. Uh, that you picture the pen and the sheep, they go into the pen for, for safety and security and then uh, the shepherd calls them out of the pen for, for food and, and water. And in that story, uh, at the beginning of chapter 10, Jesus positions himself as the gate. He says, enter through me uh, and you will be safe. And you picture the sheep going in for safety and out for food. Using the same story, Jesus now, he, he kind of shifts gears. 
and he positions himself uh, not as the gate but as the shepherd. You see it in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is like a loving tap on the shoulder from a dear friend. Do you see the danger that you're in? The sheep are in such danger that the shepherd has to die. And in verses 12 and 13, Jesus contrasts himself with the hired hand, doesn't he? When trouble comes, the hired hand shoots through, of course. Uh, the wolf, that's above my pay grade. I'm out of there. Uh, in our culture of safety, the employer would have to say to the employee, if it comes to life and death, you get out of there. No sheep is worth that. But Jesus says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And did you notice as John was reading, he doesn't say it once, he says it five times in various ways. The Bible's claim is that we, even here in Bagara, are in such grave danger that God the Father would send God the Son into this broken and messy world and that he would willingly die in our place. And if the story of the Bible is true, and I believe it is, this is massive, isn't it? That God would enter history in the person of his son and willingly die for his people. But what's the danger? Uh, what is it that Jesus saves his people from? In our culture, you notice this, we view freedom as license. I'm free. I'm safe when I can do whatever I like. That's when I'm at my best. But the Bible's claim is that we're most free, we're most secure when we come under God's loving care. Just as a sheep can be the best version of itself when it's under the loving care of the shepherd. The Bible claims that in some way or another, all of us have said no to living under God's care. And the consequence, the danger, is death and judgment. The Bible says that the payment for this sin, God made us to, to live in relationship under Him, under His loving care. We said no. And the result, the payment of this, is eternal death. God made people to live in His care, and we said no. But in Jesus, God makes way for relationship restored. To switch metaphors, Jesus is like a sheep slaughtered in our place, dying the death we deserve. And there's that famous Bible verse of Isaiah 53, 6, We all like sheep have gone astray. And you picture the hills scattered in sheep. Each of us have turned to our own way. License, I'll do it my way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. Jesus takes the penalty we deserve. So the planned and willing death of Jesus says that humanity is in big trouble. But it also says, 
do you see how much God loves you that he would die for you? Um, I, I was having a medical procedure, I think it was about four years ago now. Uh, it was one of those procedures where they make sure you don't have any more children. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's oversharing, uh, too personal. Uh, anyway, it, it was just before Christmas. Uh, and, and while the doctor was carrying out the procedure, I, I was running my Christmas Day Bible talk past him. And, and he, said, he said this in response to the Christmas story. He said, it, it all sounds very distant and out there and as though it doesn't really apply to me. And I reckon it can feel that way. Jesus, God the Son, entered history 2,000 years ago or, or, or something like that. And he died on a cross. What has that got to do with me? What has that got to do with you today? Well, I reckon what Jesus says next in this passage is really helpful to that end. Uh, what, what is this relationship that, that Jesus has with his sheep, his people, really look like? Look at verse 14 if you hand out there. 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's relational. But look at verse 15. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. What is this relationship like? Uh, for the, the person who is under Jesus' shepherding care. Well, it's like how I know God the Father, says God the Son. You, you don't get closer relationships than that. But later in, in this chapter, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. He, he says elsewhere in John's Gospel, if you know me, you know the Father. To come under God's loving care in Jesus it's it's not a distant reality out here it, it's not it's not to just believe that there's a God it, it's not to turn up to a church service every once uh, in a while or, or even to take up something of the Christian worldview and maybe adopting some of the ethics but it's to have a real and living relationship with God Dallas Willard, he says it like this, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, I'm in the care of someone else. I'm not the one in charge. I've taken my kingdom and surrendered it to the kingdom of God. I am living the with God life. The Lord is my shepherd. And you've got this Bible passage in front of you, and if we sort of step back from it and think about the context for a moment, Jesus is is there in the first century. He's he's teaching with authority. He's healing the sick. There was that man born blind who who he healed. He's making massive claims. He says, "I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd." And his audience is Jewish. Jesus was a Jew. His audience is Jewish. But look at verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. If you picture the sheep pen and you picture the shepherd calling the sheep out of the pen, calling them by name is the image that, that John gave us at the beginning of the chapter. 
the other sheep pen that is not of this pen, it includes you and me. It's, it's the Gentile mission, the non-Jewish mission. Even now, God is calling people to come to Jesus and sit under his loving care. Uh, Jesus said, They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And, and I wonder if that might be you this afternoon, or, or you over the last month or, or year. You, you're starting, this Jesus, he, there's something about him. Uh, you, you find yourself coming to him and be, beginning to follow him and, and trust in him. Uh, I want to say to you this afternoon, take the Bible's loving tap on the shoulder as a warning of the danger that we are all in apart from the shepherding care of Jesus. And, and as it was then, so it is today. In verse 19 to 21, you see the responses. Some say this Jesus is a madman. Why listen to him? But others, they say these are not the sayings of a of a madman. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? What, what do you say? Well, Charles Spurgeon, who's a, an old dead creature, he's just good for a quote. Uh, he, he said this, uh, We have all things and abound. Not because I have a good store of money in the bank. Not because I have skill and wit with which to win my bread but because the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that for yourself? Can you say that for yourself? In Him, that's the place where true safety lies. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus, that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Be safe. Look to Him. Uh, why don't we pray? Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, while we, humanity, uh, are in grave danger apart from Jesus, you loved us so much that you sent your Son into this world, that he would die for us, taking on the penalty we deserve in our place. Well, this afternoon, we're, we want to say we're sorry for uh, doing our own thing. We're sorry for thinking that our way is better than yours. And we pray that in Jesus you would forgive us and that you would bring us under your loving care, that it would be our joy and freedom and safety to live with him and for him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.